A guard we can trust, building a case. We started about six weeks ago on this one, and uh, it's actually caught on deeper and more than I expected it to, um, as in suddenly topics started growing and growing. I thought I was going to finish last week, and then I realized I never quite finished last week on forgiveness. So what we have been talking about is this idea of building a case for a God we can trust. We took a look at the U.S. money, the coin that says, in God we trust. My question has always been, but which God? The one that takes guns and shoots people, the ones that kills the Muslims and all th- across Europe through the Crusades. Wh- which God? you got to ask that question. We have to be honest. You cannot bury your head in the sand and pretend that stuff didn't happen all in the name of small g, God. That was never the love of Christ. It still isn't. If it's not love, it's not God. And so I've been trying to make a case, say, hey, let's, let's, let's put this to test. So we began with, look at the source. Where do we get our stories from? And there's enough history in, the, in how our scriptures came about, how the early church fathers brought about the texts that we study from and believe. They were the closest to the original hearing and teachings that we possibly know. And I think it's important to study them. Is that the be-all and end-all? No. We continue to grow and learn. Just because they put something together does not mean it's the final answer. But there are some finalities for some topics, I guess. But let's visit them one at a time. Let's not just have a carte blanche blanket. There's far more variety and openness to differing views in the early church than we'll ever admit in this generation. Because, after all, 44,000 different denominations can't all be wrong, can they? Most of those denominations start with, well, they're wrong on that, so we're starting our new one because we think this is right. And it's a it's the division, constant division. It's constant exclusion, not inclusion. It's kind of embarrassing. So what we have been doing here at Hope Fellowship has been focusing in on the love of God and the grace of Christ and what does that mean for our daily lives. Let's not fight over those differences too much. Let's, let's highlight what is agreeable. Let's, let's look at the good news. And so this came out. So church history has taught us a lot. We've also had to take a look at the person we can trust. Who is this Jesus? If, if we can hear what Jesus has to say about God, because you know, we're trying to figure out, is God trustable? Some people would say, if you had to, which, which one would you want on your side uh, if you're in a, you know, there's a problem? Do you want God the Father or do you want Jesus? Most people say Jesus because God, you know, you got to tiptoe around him and he can get ticked off so easy. You know, this angry God picture that we have been told. What if we go to the source? What if we go to the one who tells us what his daddy is like? Is that person trustworthy? If we ask one of the kids here, what's your dad like or your mom like? They're going to tell you. <laughs> and the parents are going to go, you know, because <laughs> you're going to you hear the good, the bad, the ugly, because they'll be so honest and transparent. It's hilarious. But if you're looking for character, the ones who live in the home, no. That's who knows. And so at one point, Jesus was asked by Philip, hey, show us the Father. And Jesus says, have I been with you all this time? You don't know who I am? Seriously? That's not in the Greek, but that's, I can just hear him saying that. And he says, look, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I am in the Father, the Father is in me, we are one. 
And then he prays, Father, reveal to them that I am in you, you are me, and that they are in us. This is, at that point in Scripture, that should be the greatest telltale wake-up place, the starting place that we begin to study who God is, not all the stories that have skewed perspectives, incomplete at best. Nobody knows the Father except the Son. So all these people who said they knew the Father didn't know the Father properly or fully. They had snippets of it, and we saw that. So Jesus was important. Well, wait a minute. Let's, let, does the Bible really say this? Well, what if there's a pattern of scriptures that shows us some really important truths? Would it be worth visiting and laying the case, putting the evidence there? Boom, 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 boom. Yes. So we talked about reconciliation. Two messages on that. That we are already reconciled. And the idea of reconciliation has to do to make relationships friendly again. To, to, to remove that thing which hinders connection and intimacy with God. That gets fixed. And Jesus fixed the blindness that hindered. And it started in the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, God knew exactly what they did. And he was not repelled by their sin. He still went to them. He still wanted to hang out with them. and said, where are you? We're hiding. And we're naked. Who told you you're naked? <laughs> she did. I don't know. Who knows, right? Like there's, there was this, this idea that they thought God would be repelled by them. They were covered in shame. They covered themselves up. They never had to before. Something happened in their minds, not God's. Really important to know that. And that got fixed. That was the reconciliation that took place at the cross. And God the Father was in Christ at that time. He was not separated from him. Then we talked about forgiveness. This one can really mess things up um, because forgiveness is so misunderstood. Um, I was, Lori and I have been watching a series called The Crown, uh, BBC on Queen Elizabeth. Great series. I, I got sucked into it. And story after story. And there was one scene in there that kind of surprised me a couple weeks ago. And uh, it had to do with um, one guy, some bad dude, uh, who gave up his throne, abdicated, and blah, 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 um, who should have been king but didn't, if you know any history. And found out a lot of the story is quite true. Because <laughs> I had to Google up. I was, I was going through, oh, what happened there? No way. Really? And so the queen meets Billy Graham, has a couple private audiences with Billy Graham. And uh, she has an issue with forgiveness. She's intrigued by Billy's message and wants to forgive. And here's where the problem comes in. It is implied when we talk about forgiveness that it means they get off scot-free. Correct? Is that the traditional way to understand forgiveness? If we forgive them, well, guess what? Now they just get away with it and no consequences, nothing like that. And that was the lens the queen had. And then she found out some more info about this dude and how he conspired with the Nazis. Oh, yeah. History is really interesting. So there was no forgiveness from the queen <laughs> when she found all that out. But I was intrigued by her misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. 
We did a long series here called What Forgiveness Is and Isn't. And that really ripped it apart. Forgiving someone does not mean you are automatically inviting them back into the trust circle. You can forgive somebody and still have nothing to do with them. You're protecting your family and yourself. There are times where that has to happen. I don't want to re-preach the whole series because there's way too many rabbit trails in that one. But in the movie, there was. Here's the queen. Here's Billy Graham saying, you got to forgive. And she misunderstood what that really meant. So anyway, if you want more, go online and listen to the series, Healing Life's Hurts Through Understanding Forgiveness. It unpacks it beautifully. I'm starting to teach it on the radio show each week now. So it's, I think it starts Tuesday. I begin the series on Faith FM. So we've been laying a case for the reconciliation that has happened. Last week, we nailed it with seeing the Scriptures prove to us we are already forgiven. Okay? That's a big deal. But then we ended last week with this, and I quickly switched back to the other slide so you didn't get to fully see this. What do we do with this threat? I have a hunch I'm only going to be able to deal with this today. I was going to, we'll see what happens, but... Matthew 6. How many remember this verse? For if you forgive men their sins, mind you, this is right after the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, blah, blah, blah. You know, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Remember that? Yep. Hear it at every funeral and wedding. Yep. So nobody reads the add on. And if they do, it's too confusing. I, this one has bugged me, and I wish it wasn't there. I really wish it wasn't there because it's messing up people's theology. And I'm trying to find a hope-filled perspective to see this. How can we see this and still find hope? Because this doesn't sound too good. This, this God we say we believe in, man, this, this kind of just messed it up. Jesus, did you really mean what you said? For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. How nice. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. This is messed up. How about the message translation? In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. There's a hint in there. Okay? Let's take a look at this. I want to talk about some approaches. How can we see this text? What are some lenses? In the last 10 years, I've heard multiple perspectives on this, and I'm going to end with the more, most beautiful one today because I think it adds to the menu. So if you're in a restaurant and they only sell egg rolls, it ain't going to last long in that restaurant, is it? There's no restaurant that does egg rolls, just egg rolls. It's more of a booth. But let's say they also add on you know, stir-fried chicken, they started adding on all, can you tell I'm hungry? Um, they start adding on, this. when you add menu items, suddenly there's options for, for you to pick from, okay? All in the context of opportunity. And in the last 10 years, uh, my menu has grown as I begin to understand uh, the love of God better. One of the biggest ones uh, in the last number of years has been this understanding of end times. Remember that series I taught? On, I was scared up here. I was really scared. It was probably one of the first times I was afraid as I taught because it's so radically different from half the stuff we hear in our culture and what I grew up being told. You know, the world's going to get worse and 
you get raptured up and all that stuff. And oh my goodness. Matthew 24, you know, that, that chapter where Jesus is saying, you know, warning of this is going to happen, the end's going to come, and, you know, all that stuff. Is, uh, Jesus was speaking about 70 AD, not the end of the world. That was a big change for me. Suddenly I'm reading other texts. Now I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. I've been reading through the wrong lens. And I didn't know why I was having a hard time. I thought there was a wall up in front of me. There was no wall in front of me, folks. I was in the wall, the Western wall, the Western thinking wall. This is how I was groomed in my culture. We've all been conditioned with a certain perspective or a few perspectives. Until you go outside of Canada, USA, go to other cultures and begin to see other perspectives, you are very limited. Your menu is egg rolls. <laughs> all right? So... On this particular difficult verse of, hey, if you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. We just finished dealing with forgiveness. How do you reconcile this verse with all the other proof that we are already forgiven? What, what gives? Let's consider some. Again, I'm not here to dictate a truth. I'm here to provide a menu for you to think this through. There are answers. I just haven't got them all. None of us do, really. Not all of them, but together we can grow and have a better perspective and we fix it with a perspective of who we believe God to be. If we don't think he's trustable, not worth cozying up to him. And I trust my God. So the first perspective on looking at this, Jesus was speaking from the perspective of the law. The cross hadn't happened yet. I believe Jesus was the last old covenant teacher. Anytime you do a study of hermeneutics, the interpretation of Scripture, in Bible college, if you go through understanding your Bible, the, one of the first things they're going to do is walk you through context. Context matters. Who was this written to? Who was the audience? How did the people in that day understand what was said then? Really important. Versus, we have the English translation, so we now know exactly what they meant. Are you kidding not everything's going to be that clear, cut, and dry. And some people go, I don't really care, really. Can you hurry it up here? Well, I care because we're dealing with a very big, blunt object, a verse that is hindering people and creating fear in our soul. And if it's creating fear, there's a problem. Authors, God's not the author of fear as in being afraid, especially of Him. So there's a really good chance Everything was G that Jesus was teaching, again, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching, he's speaking from the Old Covenant. Jesus didn't come to abolish the Old Covenant, he came to fulfill it. Because what had happened in the Old Covenant, it says you got to do these things to be right with God. Okay, that's Old Covenant. Is it possible? No. So the Jews added like 600 more laws, okay, that they could try and sort of keep. And Jesus is saying... Uh-uh. You're trying to make those laws attainable. I'm going to bust your bubble, and I'm going to show you how impossible it is. Only I can do it. That's the beauty. Jesus was the only person who could fulfill the law. So all the time he's speaking, um, he's saying, hey, uh, he's speaking to that, yet still filled with grace and speaking grace. 
How about the, uh, the one where Jesus said to the guy, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. You know, I don't see any one-eyed people here. So which laws are you going to choose to keep? Because I know all of us have seen things we shouldn't. Okay? Tempted, all that kind of stuff. So to play the game, you want to choose which rules and laws you want to follow? Jesus came to raise the bar, fulfill the law, and then he brings in himself as the new covenant. Live from me, for my ways are gentle and gracious. So Jesus could have been speaking to that. Um, I want to read something for you that uh, is kind of cool from Brad Jerzak. And I never saw this part before until this week. I went, okay. So not to throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you, if you still want to read it through an old covenant lens, that's fine. But there may be something more going on in that Lord's Prayer that we may not be fully aware of. And it may be a focus on us. Because right now, we're, when we hear that line, if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father won't forgive you yours. Where's the focus for us as humans? Oh, that person. I'm not going to forgive that person. I don't forgive that person. Like our fear is always the other person. Ah, listen to this. Remember, the Lord's Prayer says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. Brad Jerzyk writes, and he instructs us, whenever you pray, pray this, forgive us. He makes us own the sin of trespassing. As if somehow we should look in the mirror first. Imagine that. How have I crossed boundaries? Have I offended the other with my words or actions? How have I participated in trespassing on others' property, either historically or intentionally by virtue of my citizenship? Who are those in the world right now who still live with the harm I have done to them personally or as part of my nation's sin? I love how he twists it and he reminds us, hang on, this is going to point us to what Christ has done for us now. Having pondered that, I then moved to those who've trespassed against me. How many times have, uh, how many have truly harmed me? Who has actually invaded my space, my home, my nation? In my case, that list is shorter and less extreme. Oh dear, it seems my own offenses don't have a leg to stand on. I am disqualified from judging others for that which I am clearly also guilty. I cannot live in the land of grace while relegating those I hate, yes, hate, to the land of retribution and retaliation. I can't even ask God for his vengeance of them when I am pleading to avoid it myself. So, when we come to the cross and pray, God, forgive me. Sorry, God, forgive them as I want to be forgiven. Correct me as I want to be corrected. Have the same mercy on them as I want for myself. This is expanding our understanding of what these words can mean. So that's a perspective on that verse. There also may be a better way to understand by going to the original languages or understand the cultural context, which I just finished talking about. Understand the Hebrew thought and the culture, the translation issues. Are there translations issues? Um, I, this particular one, I'm, it seems to be what it was said in many ways. Is there enough scripture speaking on this topic that causes us to study further? That was last week's message. We laid out scriptures that contradict the premise of the Matthew verse. The one that says, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. It does not mean what it appears to mean. Because you've got to remember, who is he speaking to? 
perhaps understanding it in the language that was spoken in that day, Aramaic. They didn't speak Greek, per se. If they did, it was not the common language. The common language of the Jews was Aramaic. This is the language Jesus spoke in. There was even trend, the Bible is written in three languages, uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Those are the languages. So Aramaic is huge. The Aramaic understanding of the Lord's Prayer has far more intimate implications and a much deeper understanding. And when I show this to you, you could, I'm hoping you'll have this weird leap of hope. Go, ooh, okay. That, huh, I never saw that coming. That, this could actually be good news because of the lens change. Here's the, oops, come back. Here's the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic. Um, this is, this is, I'm going to show you another one. There's a couple different translations of it. This is one, and then I'm going to show you a second one that's similar. But this is the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. Because beloved Father, who fills all realms, may you be honored in me. Let your divine rule come now. Let your will come true in all the universe, in the heavens and on earth. Give us all that we need for each day and untangle the knots of unforgiveness that bind us within as we also let go of the guilt of others. Let us not be lost in superficial things, but let us be free from that what keeps us from our true purpose. From you comes all rule. The strength to act, the song that beautifies all from age to age, amen. Who? How many have ever seen this before? Anybody here? One, two. This is a really different way to read it. In the language of people in Christ's time. Now I want to walk you through each line from another similar translation and point out something that's going to blow your mind. At least it does me. If it doesn't blow your mind, oh well. You know refunds. So this is a translation variation from first century Aramaic, the language Jesus spoke. I do have a link below. It didn't fit on the screen of where I got my source, so I do have sources. I'm not making this up. So, Abu Nim. I don't, know, I don't know how to, I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm not going to read the Aramaic because I don't know how to do it. I'm not really good at that. So I'm going to read the translation, but you get to see the word. O thou from whom the breath of life comes. What a great way to start. Who fills all realms of sound, light, and vibration. May your light be experienced in my utmost holiest. Can you see the artistic flair now? Can you see how the Aramaic language has so much more depth to the words better than English does? It gets better. Your heavenly domain approaches. Thy kingdom come, if you hadn't figured that out. <laughs> Let your will come true. In the universe, all that vibrates, just as on earth that is material and dense. Give us wisdom, understanding assistance for our daily need. This is the best part. Detach the fetters of false 
that bind us. Karma. Don't get afraid of that word, okay? The evangelical world will freak, but oh well. Like we let go of the guilt of others. Detach the fetters of faults that bind us. Like we let go of the guilt of others. Let us not be lost in superficial things, materialism, common temptations. But let us be freed from that what keeps us off from our true purpose. From you comes the all-working will, the lively strength to act, the song that beautifies all and renews itself from age to age. Amen. Sealed in trust, faith, and truth, I confirm with my entire being. Does this mess you up a little bit? Is this new? Some of you are going to do research as soon as you get home. (laughs) Good. This is a picture, and again, the context today is what do you do with that verse at the end? If you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. Well, maybe this is our clue. Maybe it's not talking about that. Maybe it's talking about something better and deeper. The Lord's Prayer, better meaning, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, can mean this. Detach the fetters of faults that bind us like we let go of the guilt of others. There are chains on us, fetters. Okay? And if you don't forgive others, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. can be better understood like this. If you don't unfetter the chains on others, I won't do it for you. This is our response to forgive. You still must forgive. And if you understand what forgiveness is, you may realize, oh, I can forgive without worrying about those ramifications right now. I can let God take care of that or let time and the process of forgiveness take its course. You can still forgive. You're releasing the power and control. It's like forgiveness is like uh, drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. What? That's, That's really what's going on. It's very different than holding back conditional forgiveness. Does this make sense? In light of the Aramaic terminology, detach the fetters. So then when it says, if you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you. If you don't unfetter those chains, he's not going to do it for you. It's a lens. You can look at it as just purely Jesus talking about Old Covenant. That's fine. Great. I think that's a good lens. Maybe there's a cultural thing in Aramaic that we've not been told about. I'm sharing with you something I've come across. Martin Trench from the uh, Gateway Alliance Church in uh, Edmonton, he's the one who showed this to me the first time, and it's just blown my mind. God, give him credit. It's a big deal. This completely opens up a better meeting. If it may not be so much about which covenant it was written in, but rather the passion and heart of the true Son of God, speaking from the deepest and purest form of truth known to mankind. How come in the Old Testament Jesus said, or God said, you know, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sins are going to be removed from you. That's Old Covenant. And yet, still have Jesus say this. So I don't think it means what we may have been told it means. There's a relational context going in here. This is a major time in history. A lot is going on from the time of Christ's death to when AD 70 happened. That whole period of time Change the world. Change the religious world. Okay, that's it. We'll come back to this next week.
I like what Brad Jerzak wrote, that if you want to retain and just read the text as you're traditionally used to, that's okay. I'm not telling you it's wrong. I'm saying then find a better way to read it from the heart of the one speaking it. What could he have meant? It means research. And I gave you the idea of Old Covenant, New Covenant, that he was still speaking from that. And everything after the cross comes from a finished perspective, not a got to, need to, nothing like that. That doesn't happen. But as soon as the cross happens, everything after is spoken from completion. That should tell you something about context and studying interpretation. And then you have the Aramaic. What if there's a cultural sense? Let me give you a, an example real quick. How many Japanese do we have here? Oh, right, none. <laughs> I don't see anybody here that's Japanese. But the culture of Japanese is very different than what we're used to. There was just a hurricane. That's not done yet. But one of the first things people do in the West is they hoard. Buy all the toilet paper first before anybody else. Just so they have enough and much more than we need because ha, ha, ha. As long as I'm okay. All the canned food, ha, ha, ha. The vegan aisle is totally full. Sorry, just kidding. <laughs> I just saw a meme about that. It was funny. Distraction. But there's a hoarding mindset. Keep, 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 me, me, my family first. And the Western world is about me first. And the Japanese, when they had their crisis with that plant and hurricane that uh, devastated them, their culture was community-minded, never hoarding. They were one for all, all for one, other-centered. That was their mindset, not selfish. So if that's just an easy example today, what if there's a cultural mindset for that verse and who Jesus was speaking to? Is it possible? If it is, then maybe we can unlock our understanding our belief about what we think those verses mean, there may be a more hope-filled perspective. That's what I'm begging you to think about today. Make that consideration. Because this God we say we believe in, I believe he's good. We've been told a lot of untruths and incomplete pieces of information for many, many years. So that's it for this morning, folks.